0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We're going to do another deep dive into thinking about franchises as part of your entrepreneurial journey. Today, I have Brian Beers, who is the president of Prenlen Automotive Group. But even cooler, I think, is he's also the host of Business with Beers. That's a wonderful name. And talks about how to look at franchises, what franchises are really interesting, and how to go about joining, acquiring. So, Brian, Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I've been following you on Twitter, and I've been following you for quite a while through the SMB Twitter space, and you really share some great stuff on Twitter for how to think about franchises. You were telling me a little bit about your journey into franchises. Would you just kind of share with the audience a little bit about like how you came into
1: franchises? Yeah, sure. So my family's been in the franchising business now for 45 plus years. My dad started in the 70s with one uh, Midas automotive repair back then. It was Midas Muffler shop. And he got in it because his uncle or cousin or, or someone in that side of the family was a franchisee of in Boston in, the, in like the 60s. And so because all the way back. So he was 22 years old looking for something to do. You know, my granddad started this one location in, in the Philadelphia market and, you know, kind of learned the business. And over the years, you know, my uncle then grew it from one location to six maybe seven, eight at one point they bought and sold them and ran it all, you know, all the day to day and kind of did everything themselves and had a ton of success over the years. And I graduated college in 2010. And I was kind of looking, you know, what am I going to do next? And at that point, point, oh eight, oh nine had been rough. They were looking to get out of the business, to, to sell it you know, they owned a couple of the properties, but just wasn't, they just weren't, it. you know, just weren't into it then. And so I come in and I breathe a bunch of new life into the business and learn it and start traveling around the country and trying to learn from other franchisees and taking these ideas and implementing them. And we start to grow the sales. they start to improve like the culture and just start to like re-energize the entire business. So I did that for like six years, right? Sometimes we think things happen quick, but sometimes it it's not like that, right? So then I, I wanted to make more money, right? I'm like, gonna, I've built this thing up. I want to... But the only way I can make more is really if we owned more stores that I had ownership in, right? Greater ownership in. My brother had joined at this point. So me and him then kind of went out and got a loan and, and bought two locations. And we ran it all as one company, but you know, equity ownership was different. And then you know, we took the money we made on those two and we compounded it. We bought another location in 2017. 2018, we opened one from scratch and we, we bought another one. 2019, we bought another one. 2020, we kind of take a break, obviously. 2021 comes around and we had struck a deal to buy seven locations and a single shot from a guy who's just like my dad, in it forever, looking to get out. Those are New Jersey. And so overnight, we went from 12 locations to 19 and then in a whole new market. And then once we're in a market, all these other opportunities came up of these small ones and two locations that we acquired that we wouldn't have looked at if we didn't have a footing there. And then this past June, or, or I guess it's a year ago now, we acquired another group of five that were similar to my dad, older, wanting to get out. We've opened up a couple and bought a couple along the way. So as of today, we have 32 locations. We'll do about $40 million this year in revenue, probably more. Uh, we got a couple others in the pipeline and growing sales somewhat rapidly. Anyhow, that's kind of the story of, of how I got into it. Along the way, we did open up other franchises. So, like non, you know, these have all been Midas. Yeah. Along the way, there was two other brands in completely different industries that we started, opened up, and sold. And so not nearly as successful as Midas, but I, we do have experience in other brands as well in terms of like what to look for. And some of those we failed in, and some of those we had success, and that knowledge pulls together. It's so funny because there's ongoing, and we're going to jump a bit, but I do want to come back and
0: talk about where you are as an entrepreneur. But just from that like, concentration of Midas, there's this ongoing talk in the acquisition entrepreneurship space about roll up, holding companies, X, Y, and Z, all the different flavors of the whole co approach and all that. But it seems very much that like you have so niched into this Midas space. Is it because just familiarity the familiarity brand? Is there a secret sauce that you and your brother have developed? that you believe allows you to do this quite well,
1: you know. I mean, A, I've gone back and forth on the strategy. Do you diversify, right, with multiple revenue streams, or do you Or is that actually a dilution of focus? Now your focus is diluted across multiple things. And the nice thing about franchising and why like we've been able to grow so rapidly is once you figure it out, like how to run it, like we can add another, we can add a whole new market, five new stores, like nothing changes right in our lives except we make more money. We've already got the systems. We've already got the back office. We already know like the marketing plan and the staffing models and all the vendors and like, like literally we just continue to like rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. Like we can add new stores. We can add new markets in the business. Is pretty much the same. I mean, it becomes a little bit more obviously at the leadership level. We have to build up. You know, we hired a COO who now kind of runs all the district managers. these district manager has eight stores. You know, we have a back office that pays all the bills. So we want to add a new market. We just add a new district manager. We can have eight more stores, right? We can add ten million in revenue. But like, it doesn't really change dramatically. And I think the challenge when people say like, oh, I want like, I'm gonna have four different businesses or whatever. I'm gonna be diversified, right? They have like four different leaderships, four different comp plans, four different marketing plans, macroeconomic headwinds, business planning, personalities. And like, you, know, so you have like all these different variables you got to like think and adjust and for mine, like it's the same thing that we just keep doing over and over and over again. And yeah, it's kind of boring. And yes, and in, in theory, we have all these eggs in one basket, but we also can grow a whole lot quicker than if we were diluted between these other things. That's kind of in part what I learned when we had these other franchises that we operated too, that like none of them did as good because we were deluded and we weren't focused on. Yeah.
0: What I love about exploring and talking about entrepreneurs is just sort of like how they approach it, what they're seeing and their journeys into it. And it's just so fascinating. You're in a space that just a few years ago, there was a big argument over like, Oh, is this really entrepreneurism? Is this not yet? The reality is Yeah, you're still trying to keep a business open. You're trying to keep growing. You have employees. You're doing everything necessary. And this has so changed just over the past few years. And you've scaled this. So great. How do you see yourself as an entrepreneur these days?
1: Yeah, and I've evolved a lot, right? I mean, that's all part of it. I think that's a big part of my success is like you know, my ability to kind of get out of my own way and like not being in the weeds as much. You know, I think a lot of people can't grow because they're so focused on like they want perfection and I'm I'm more like I'll take progress over perfection. Like give me an 80% solution and like let me delegate my stuff so that I can focus on the next level. I mean, I'm constantly challenging myself in, in terms of if I have like a limiting belief to say, hey, I don't know if that's possible or I have some negative thought about you name it, right? Oh, EVs are going to like kill our business or the economy or this or that, right? You can have like a million things of why not to do something. And I think a lot of people get stuck because then they focus, especially on Twitter, you get in Twitter, you can go down these rabbit holes, believing all <laughs> kinds of stuff that's yeah, uh, going yeah. to happen. That's It's 100% sure that this is going to happen, right? And of course, it never happens. And so I think like, you know, a lot of it of any successful entrepreneurs is their ability to recognize what potential challenges are. And then we we just come up with a plan and then and we adjust for it, right? that's a big part of it. And kind of where I'm at, I mean, I I kind of view it as, you know, hey, what are my highest and best use of, of my time, right? Where can I have the greatest impact on it? And so for me right now, we have 200 employees, right? And it's hard for me sometimes to get my message out to everybody in person, right? Because it's you know we're we're dispersed among 32 locations. And so like right now, I'm leveraging doing a lot of videos to our guys. So I'll do like a weekly, I try to do weekly, but like a weekly video newsletter where I will go over kind of, here's how we did last week, kind of the shout outs, here's kind of some of these initiatives we're working on. You know, that could be a video. Another one could just be some sort of like sales tip, process tip, something that we're looking at kind of why we're doing it. And so that allows me to kind of get the message out there and, and leverage across 200 people at once to get an idea on why we're moving something. So I'm working in that direction. I'm a big believer that the bigger that my world gets, the more opportunities that we create for the people that are live within our world, right? So if I can continue to make our world bigger, I can bring in higher level people. We can elevate other people and provide a lot of opportunities. So that's my goal is making my world bigger in whatever directions. And in a lot of it's Midas, some of it's growing outside of Midas, obviously. We haven't talked about the podcast and franchise, helping people get franchises and all that stuff, but like my world's growing in that direction too. And so a lot of it is around those kind of bigger macro things is what I focus on.
0: Well, okay. Let's kind of talk here, you and your brother, building a very successful roll-up within the franchise and that's a whole fascinating concept but let's kind of move first to the podcast which was first the podcast or the
1: helping other people look yeah, at yeah the podcast I've been doing the podcast I've got hundred I don't know 60 episodes now I've been doing it for over yeah. two years and so yeah that's been a lot of fun just get out there you know I'm super nervous the first episode it was a whole lot worse than the 150th or whatever but along the way I've interviewed I don't know Cameron Harold. I've interviewed Steve Sims I've interviewed Mike McCowwitz I'm like you know authors that I love their books, and so it's been really good excuse to sit down with somebody and talk to them for a half hour, forty five minutes, and you learn these ideas, and you know then it lives on kind of forever, right? To be honest, I don't even leverage mine as much as I could. But I enjoy it, and over time, it has evolved. It used to be kind of general business and real estate and investing, and I talk about all these different stuff, whatever I found interesting. You know, now it's kind of evolved to, to I really focus in on on franchising. I interview franchisors, I interview franchisees, I do interview some guys who are kind of in the investment space, and so I do interview them. All right, once we make money, you know, what how do we put it to use in other facets? So. That's it's evolved now. But yeah, it's been great. It's been fun. I have a really good team of two Filipino girls who help me with you know, all the production side of it. So my personal time invested is only the interview. That's good. I have a
0: team that actually, they were my original freelancers that they've formed up their own company, Make the Cut. So here, a quick call out to my team. But the same thing, they take care of everything and that does make it so much easier. But I'm very jealous because I still get nervous. You know, I'm 150 also in too. And it's sort of like every time it's the butterflies right before. It's like, I don't know why, but it's still like, okay, there's my stomach. It's going to fall to the ground. All right, dig a deep breath, get into the conversation. Okay, so you started this to kind of explore and I've listened to a few. And I do like a lot of the concepts you've been playing with. And it is as someone who's had businesses before and is looking to Acquire or go back, or just figure out how to look at assets out there. I love that approach you have, and the franchise space is very interesting because I think there's more knowledge out there. I always felt like in the past it was very much being sold to, and that was the only way to really understand the franchise opportunities. But where did this concept of helping people evaluate and look at opportunities in the franchise space come from? From this effort.
1: Yeah. I mean, so a lot of it was, so I got on Twitter. So I podcasted about two years ago, about last May. I got on Twitter and it's funny. I was years ago, I joined in 08. So like Twitter was founded in like 06 or something, right? Like I was like a pretty early adopter. I was really into like computers and development and software. And so of course that was like, you know, back in the day. And so then I like, I used it for a couple of years. I didn't really do much with it. And then last May, I was like, all right, well, I got the podcast. as well like get on Twitter and, you know, I started with 200 followers and today I've got 15,000. But along that way, you know, I was posting about what we're doing and our kind of our journey of scaling. And, and a lot of people were reaching out to me wanting to know what should I look for in a franchise or how do I evaluate it or, hey, what do you think of X, Y, and Z one? And so, you know, as I shared, I had all these people coming to me. And so now then it's like, all right, well, you know, what's a solution I could provide to, to help people? And so, you know, kind of it has evolved, right? We have a couple of iterations. And, you know, one thing I'm really good at is trying new things. Like I'm, I'm not a Trade in my business or in anything to give something a shot, see if it works. And if it doesn't, you know, we learn something, we, we move on. And so I've had a couple of variations. Now, what it looks like is I become a, you know, franchise consultant or broker or whatever you want to call, it, which is like an already established form, right? So I joined a network. There's like, 700 brands in the, the network that I'm part of. And how it works is like someone comes to, comes to me or, you know, now I have, a, I have a team that I work with and we're able to kind of interview that person, get their goals, their skills, their budget, their location, like all these different factors, and then go back to our like database and say, all right, well, what's a brand that matches all these things that they told us? And of the 700, There's probably like 50 or so that I actually like, you know, I like. And of the 50 I like, there's probably about 15 or so that I really like, right? I've interviewed them on my podcast. I've like gone through all their FDDs. I've like talked to other franchisees, right? Like I'm trying to take a deeper dive approach to say, hey, if I'm going to like recommend this to somebody, do I believe in it? Do I personally believe in it? And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. And then it's kind of this win-win because, you know, it doesn't cost the candidate anything to work with us because we get paid a referral fee by the franchisor. And so, and all that, and even if they don't work with like a broker or somebody who talked to online or whatever, still pay the same fees. Like they're all part of the FDD. They're all set in stone, like no franchise. N- negotiates like royalties or the franchise fees. They never do it. So anyhow, started doing this, offering the service, you know, totally free to people. And, you know, we get paid kind of on the, on the back end. And so I've had a ton of success with it so far. I've been doing it for a couple of months now. And since I'm like an experienced person, like I know what questions to ask and I know what advice to give. And I go about it a whole different approach than what everybody else in the industry does because I actually have experience doing it.
0: Well, so what would be that different approach? Let's say someone in previous business owner comes to you, they've had some success Probably in a bootstrap form or another. And they're like, you know what? I'm looking to get back into the game, but a little less craziness of rubbing two sticks really hard together for a few years and seeing if some smoke comes out. How would this approach be for you?
1: Yeah. So it kind of all depends. I like to break it down into the biggest thing is the skill set, somebody's skill set. And so, like, franchise, there's like three buckets. The first one are sales driven businesses. So these are the ones where, Success is highly determined by your ability to like drive sales. So, for example, a roofing franchise that is like almost 100% insurance paid. So, you lead a team of door knockers, like 100% commission door knockers. You go door to door, and are are tracking hailstorms and whatever, like in Dallas that we just had, right? Which is going to be a heyday down there. And they're going and say, hey, if you, you know, a hail storm came through, if there's damage on the roof, you know, we can help you 100% paid by insurance. Can I go up there? Like no obligation. And someone came to my house and did this, and I got a whole new roof and siding on it. So it was. Like I believe in this, this model, but for a lot of franchisees don't want to drive that type of business, right? Like that just don't want to do that. But for the people that can, like they can make tons and tons of money. So that's like one type of business, right? Another one would be like marketing driven businesses. So these are, are franchises where unsophisticated, highly fragmented, relatively simple service to perform where the difference maker is the ability to market, like just get in front of people and capture leads. Right. And then once you capture them, like doing the service is relatively simple, like house cleaning, mosquito spraying, house cleaning, a lot of things in the home services. Now, franchisors really like this type of model because they can control marketing from headquarters, right from their offices. They can do all that marketing and the marketing is what matters. And the really good ones will set up call centers. So all those marketing leads, they spend millions of dollars to generate flow to a call center that either they run in-house or they use like an experienced franchise specialty call center all us- based to capture those leads, book them right into the franchiseors or franchisees like appointment book to go and, and quote it. Some people really like that. they're, they're people who want like kind of a simpler business model that are really marketing driven maybe to get into the community that kind of thing. And then the last type is operation driven businesses. so ones where the marketing doesn't matter as much and success is highly dependent on your ability to execute the model. So like auto repair, right? Perfect. I have stores that do $2 million. I have stores that do $700,000, right? Same marketing, same everything, same owner. It's our team's ability to execute that matters. And so restoration, anything in the trades, right? So plumbing, plumbing. HVAC, electrical, anything that's more skilled labor involved is more of an operation. So a lot of times when I start people, I'll give them those three things and say, all right, where do you think you would fall? And they either, oh, I love the sales or, hey, I'm more of like an ops guy or, hey, that marketing thing sounds really interesting. That's great for like first time business owners, right? Because there's like less moving parts. And so that's normally where I start with somebody who's totally, then we kind of go down that rabbit hole. Okay. So, all right. So, the rabbit hole
0: you start breaking people down to those types of industries is it very location dependent. Are there more franchises that are becoming virtual? What's the
1: yep? So it's all so not are virtual. There's some sales driven ones where you can contact business owners, try to save them money that kind of thing. Yeah. Locations matters huge. First of all, if you live in certain states have certain, a lot more restrictions on franchises. And so if you live in like Washington, Minnesota, uh, Virginia, Maryland, California, like those are all states that put more restrictions on the franchisors and certain things they need to have in the franchise agreements. And they just make them jump through like a tremendous amount of hoops that takes months and months to get approved. And then you know, six months later, they have a new FDD and then boom, they're dark for another six months. And so sometimes franchisors just don't work in certain states because literally every year they have to do it and they have, they only can sell franchises for half the year and they have all the legal fees and everything associated. So no more, yes, that matters. Number two is you know most franchises are do better in more highly populated areas because most of them are people driven businesses. So people come to me and they live in the middle of nowhere unless they're gonna have some really, really big territory and like we're gonna spend a lot more and have lower margins. They don't do as well if you live in like Boise, idaho or or in the middle of Iowa or Nebraska or wherever. So generally major metros do better. Some of them are like, if you have an outdoor based business, so like there's a power washing company I really like, you know, if it's below freezing, can't really do any work, right? Same for there's like a paving company, same thing. And so some of those, they have shorter seasons, right? So they still can work in cold climates, but it's going to be more of a seasonal business than if you're in Florida or Texas or wherever you can you can do it year round. So some of those businesses you either have three months, four months off in the year, or, you know, they, they have a second business that could be Christmas lights or you know, something else that counters kind of the, the summer flow. So yeah, location matters significantly. Yeah. So some people like that, like mosquitoes, same thing. Like it's a business. It's a six months a year. You know, the pitch of it is, well, you get to work six months a year and make 12 months of income, right? Is kind of their pitch or for first time business owners. Like there's a lot less moving parts. You have this season than the other half of the year. Some people travel, some people have a have a winter snow plowing, whatever. But yeah, it's, it's a decision. It's a lifestyle decision that that people make. And that's like, that's the beauty of franchising is like you can find something that fits like your goals. And like me wanting to charge 24 seven is a different goal than someone who's maybe like at the second or third kind of career, who's kind of looking for something that's, you know, has a lot of flexibility and that they can travel and they can like do this six months a year. And then they go to Florida for six months of the year, right? Like the beauty of it is there is something for everyone. And what like, is attractive to me Maybe completely different than what is attractive to you, and I think that's like one of our approaches to really take this is it's really interview and figure out what does success look like to you in terms of your goals and, and how you want to spend your time and they're different than me so
0: well, one of the things I've seen just in trying to research around it a lot of people have mentioned and I love your opinion on this because you were saying, look a lot of times the best opportunities are in higher densely populated areas, but That you need to look at newer franchises, unless in your case you're buying an existing one, but that's kind of a harder route to go down. I would, I'm assuming, than starting a franchise location. So let's say I am interested in a highly dense area. Do you lean towards? Obviously, it's depending on the person and the case and all that.
1: Yeah, buy versus start. Yeah. So franchisees, existing franchisees, want to sell to other existing franchisees. It's easier. It's quicker it's more quiet. Employees generally don't find out. It's a much easier process. Like for me to buy another shop, I don't even have to go and look at it. I can just look at the financials. Even with the financials, the cost after we acquire it will be our cost structure. Right. So for me, it's like it's the underwriting is extremely easy. Like I don't ask a lot of questions. Right. Because I I get it. I know it by someone totally new who knows nothing about the business is going to ask like a million questions and nitpick every little thing. Right. Because they don't know. They don't know what's good and what's not. And So in general, franchisees want to sell to other franchisees. So if you're new and you want to get in, there's two routes. One is you try to find one of these either by cold calling or door knocking because they're probably not going to be listed on Biz by Sell. If it's on Biz by Sell, a bunch of other people, existing franchisees (laughs) have already overpassed it for whatever reason, right? It could just be, there's like a million reasons they could do it. They want too much money. Maybe they're surrounded by a bunch of older franchisees that also want to get out, which maybe could create a good opportunity or it's just, it's a bad brand, right? There's a ton of things, but once you're in, then it's like. That's how we've grown, right? Once you're you're in, you only need one part of the club. You can build relationships. You can grow. In terms of looking at new franchises, there's two factors. If you live in a major city, like if you live in Austin, Nashville, like these really hot markets that are growing, every franchise is sold out. To start one, like you're not gonna buy one. You're not gonna buy an established one. We're gonna be really hard. Possible, just really hard. And could could take years to find it, right? So it depends on what your timeline is. The recommendation is that you kind of have to go like newer and newer and newer to find one that has availability in Austin or Nashville or whatever city if it's a fast growing one.
0: It's funny because I've started going down the route in that whole case of health and wellness yep who's the bullet coffee guy and then there's the one that looks like the sec variation of it because oh, yeah. it's like
1: tim tebow oh, and yeah. like, they yeah, have there's like tons 20, of stuff like even in health and wellness like that medium health could go like home health, right? Which is like a whole thing. There's a couple food concepts that focus on like juice and avocado toast and like acai bowls. And like, there's a food component. And then there's like the IV drips and the like, really, really alternative kind of fringe stuff. You know, there's a new one that just launched called I forget, Game Day Men's Health. I think is what it's called, but it's like testosterone- testing and treatments and like things that are traditionally been online are kind of these sterile places. They're trying to make it more like a sports clip type of model or things like that, right? So there's all these different ones, depending on how you want to attack the industry. And those vary too, based on cost and budgets and goals and, and all that stuff.
0: Well, that does bring an interesting question. Some of these feel like, while they're very cool, they're going to be fads. Yep. If you're looking at something Is there value in a fad franchise or those things you just push away, you stay away from?
1: I mean, me personally, I don't talk about it. No, no. But me, like when I talk to people, I personally stay away. I don't work with any of the, I don't recommend any of the like super fringe stuff, the drips and the stuff. Like, I don't know much about it personally. I think there's a ton of competitors in the space. We don't know if any of them are going to last. The build-outs are huge. You know, 500 grand, like huge build-outs. I mean, there's some people that, that like that. They want to take the risks. You know, you know the fads I like are like plumbing, <laughs> drain cleaning, <laughs> like essential, it- essential things that aren't going anywhere. I think yeah. food, people are always going to eat. I think there's some really good niches there that have to do with health food trends. But personally, like that's, I guess, part of like working with my team is like, those are what I take into consideration too, like- is this thing going to be around? What's like kind of the risk tolerance and thing we talk, you know, talk to people through. Same with fitness. Like fitness, I think there's a lot of fads in fitness. Anything that's just an activity, it's like rowing, boxing, like anything like that's just, I don't know. Those are feel like fads versus something that's Orange Theory is successful, right? Because you're riding a bike or there's strength training ones, right? People have always lifted weights. That's not going anywhere. Things like that I like versus ones that I feel are You know, real trendy.
0: Okay. So earlier you were talking about like the different types of ways to think about it. Let's say someone has an existing business, but they're looking to add to their portfolio, diversify a bit in this. But like, is a franchise a potentially
1: good thing to add to your portfolio? So a lot of people push this semi absentee concept where you can buy a franchise and it's like you work 10 to 20 hours a week and blah, blah, blah. And like, I haven't figured that out yet. And so I think it's kind of like someone's got to do the work right? No matter what, someone's got to do the work. So if you want to be more of like an investor and you don't want to put in the work yourself, you need an operating partner and somebody who ideally you've known for a while, maybe they, you did some other business thing with them and like, they're going to be the sweat equity and maybe you'll be the financial and the strategic and like that side of it. I think that relationship is the best format versus the horror stories I hear. These people, you know, they buy into this thing. They think it's going to be five hours a week because that's what they were sold. They think they can go hire a manager for like 40 or $50,000 who's going to like run this entire business for them and that they're just going to sit back and like get a check on the 15th every month. It's not real estate. Like buying a franchise is not like, like a rental property or like a syndication or, or anything else you can invest in. It's a business and every business takes work to grow. I think that's one of the things in franchising that's sold. It's like way oversold is the ease of doing it. And I have trouble like when people that and like, that's their goal. I have trouble seeing that succeed without the operating partner. That you're just going to hire some person off Indeed, and and they're just going to like run this business for you. Like, not going to happen. Not from day one. Like, the better approach is like you're in the business, right? You're learning it. You're hiring people. You're training. You're seeing who are the people who are your rising stars, right? You elevate them. You give them more responsibility. You take things off your plate and give to them, and then you start to build it, right? And and layer by layer, and like over a course of time, you create a self managing team, right? Where this team, then you've built, you've trained, you trusted, and then they're able to kind of run a lot of the day to day stuff for you, and then you can spend your time and your money on things that, whatever you want to do, which might be growing the business. Like you may love it and want to do more of it. Or, you know, you might want to start a podcast. You may want to travel or you may want to like golf more or whatever. And I've achieved that level, right? Like I, my phone doesn't ring at all anymore. Cause I've, we've hired people below me. Store manager goes to the district manager, district manager goes to the COO. We have like a, you know, this layer that, you know, in, in a sense, like you could call me quote, semi absentee, but really it's, I've created this like self managing team. And so yes, totally possible in every single franchise it's a question of how long it takes for you your ability to, to hire the right people to get them trained and then your level of investment if you want to do it a lot sooner you're going to have to budget more money, right? To, to hire better people. If you do it like we've done a bootstrapped where we've taken all the money we made and reinvested it back into the business, buying more stores, more stores generates more profit, more profit. We can hire better people and, and more people in order to free up time. So then I can focus on higher level things, right? So totally possible. Any single business from day one, unless you have an operating partner, I think it's a pipe dream.
0: Yeah. And you even said earlier, you know, just to kind of pull in that was a lot of this is, the cash flow you're generating and stability and being able to work on versus in cost money the more you can grow your business and defer you'll have more cash flow or more ability to acquire and you know xyz that implicate the ability to okay so in your experience is the ability to do that three years five years eight years What do you really feel in a good- Yeah, someone's doing it,
1: I'd say within three years. I've seen people have a ton of success in one year, but like in realistic terms, I I think three years is is a good bet in terms of how long it takes them. But it's, it's stair step too, right? It's like you hand away the tasks that are kind of the lowest value to you as the business owner, right? So you can focus on higher and higher level things. And like, you still may be working 40 hours, but now you're working on like, you're not talking to customers or selling, right? You're working on kind of growth and strategy and relationships, which may not even feel like work. You may enjoy it. So I think that's really part of it too. It's like, what's your definition of that quote work and, and definition of quote hours. And like, you may have time where you you spend to go on a walk by yourself. And like during that walk, you come up with an idea that can make you hundred grand more, 200 grand more a year, right? Like, did you just do work or were you not? You're not punching a clock. When you're the business owner, you're on 24 seven. Even if you're Semi absentee, or like have a self managing team, you're still thinking, how do I continue to leverage? How do I continue to grow? At least I do. I can't turn it off. It's just the type of problem I'm trying to solve is what changes.
0: Nope. I agree completely. It's like anything that looks like even any type of look, like, oh, yeah, incremental progress directionally correct is really a lot of ups and downs. It's a roller coaster in between. To get that directional growth there. Well, you like to follow that. Do the right work for the right reasons. you, know, you do your foundational work, you eat well, you work out regularly, you get a lot of sleep, you're going to feel better. That seems to be very much encapsulating your type of approach, which I love in talking about business because some too often go crazy and like, "Oh, you can do this, or here's this miracle way or you know they're trying to lie to you. I like that approach. Who are the type of people that you really like to help find? franchises. What gets you excited when this type of person comes in? And I obviously all different types of people.
1: Yeah, I mean I think a lot of the guys that we've, you know, recently had success with are, you know, ones that are dedicated to running the business, to launching the business. I so the ones that you know have full-time jobs and they're not going to quit, there's no transition plan, and they're just like going to try to fit this in. A lot of times, it's a big jump for them. It takes a long time to get there. Versus the ones who are kind of like ready to go, right? They've kind of decided, I'm going out on my own. Like I'm going to give entrepreneurship a try. Like I like franchising for the training wheels and the support and the network and you know the proven plan. They they like all that stuff, and it's just a matter of finding something that meets their needs. People that are engaged, right? They franchisors are interviewing people. Interviewing the candidates as much as the candidates are interviewing the franchisors. and so people that are re- very responsive and respectful of other people's times and they're accountable—they do the things they say they're going to do. All that we do really well with helping those people who are ready, ready to go, and they check—they kind of check all the boxes. You know, the ones I have trouble with are, yeah, the ones who are just—they're not that serious. They think it's going to be like a lot easier. They expect the franchisor to to do stuff for them, and there's like a there's a pretty good learning curve. What it means to run a franchise, right, is it's your business, right? You're following a playbook. But like your employee doesn't show up one day, like it's They're on you and they'll figure it out. It's your business. And so there's some people that we work with who they don't really quite understand. So there's some. There's obviously a learning curve there for them to get over. Cool.
0: Well, what's the best way for someone, other than listening to Business with Beers, what's the best way for someone to learn a little bit more and get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so I mean, Twitter is my most active space. Brian Beers uh, at Brian Beers would be the best place to find me. Like I said I post pretty much every week and I'm featuring franchises that I like for various reasons. I talk about my business and you know all the all the learnings that I have in, in growing it to the size they're at today. And, you know, as we continue to evolve, I'm going to share share that as well. And yeah, my podcast on all of the major platforms as well. So very cool.
0: Well, we'll make sure we have links to it everywhere in the show notes and the email in this when we go announce this episode. And of course, on our socials, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Look, if you're interested in learning more about franchises, go follow Brian's Twitter, go listen to his podcast. But like, I've been diving deep into a lot of different concepts because I've discovered them through Brian's Twitter. He really, a lot of fun. He's obviously sharing what he's living, not someone who's just trying to get attention. And sometimes on Twitter, we all know how much fun that gets. So there's a lot of just human experience that resonates a lot. So thank you for sharing that, Brian. And everyone, go just follow it and listen. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. Go to our website and sign up for our newsletter. It really helps us be able to get the message out of really cool entrepreneurs like Brian. When we have them come on the show, it lets us learn a little bit more about what is important to you in the audience. So everyone, thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.